Hello and welcome back. Episode 48, I'm Jojo Fraser. It is time for a mojo injection. Welcome. However you're feeling right now, welcome. It is amazing to have you here and all I ask is each week you listen with an open mind because what I really want to do is encourage us all to judge less and live more. It's so important for that mojo, for that happy space we are meant to be in more that we all have within us. And I heard an amazing quote and it was along the lines of those critical thoughts we hear don't come from God. They don't come from, you may not believe in God, but you may believe in a greater source. They don't come from, you know, that that mojo, that, that space. The, they're just thoughts, the thoughts that come and when we have fresh thoughts all the time. And um, I've just been finishing, a, uh, I had a three-day Beyond Limits Summit, um, which was incredible. And there was entrepreneurs, really successful coaches and um, leaders who've made a real impact by remembering the work of Sydney Banks, who I speak about in my book, about the power of listening and really listening with an open mind, a judgment-free, neutral mind. Um, that, that really is where the magic happens when we can listen to people judge less and really um, focus on living and building each other up and being listening to that good voice you know (laughs) sometimes it's a battle am I listening to my anxiety and my fear and my sensitivities or am I really clear on where I want to go and I want to really help through every episode and every incredible guest that comes on I'm also, I had an amazing chat with a new, um, founders of a new app um, who are building chat rooms all around mental health, positive mental health. So it's not about likes and shares and things. And I've been invited on a chat room for to have my own space for the podcast where my readers can come and they can say, can you have that topic or can we discuss this more? You can be anonymous if you like. I would love to invite you, some of you into that to join me and we can build on making this podcast really you know all about you guys and and what sort of content you would like so please um get in touch with me i don't know who all listens i just see stats each week but please drop me a line if you would like to be involved anonymously or anyway please do right on to my guest i am so passionate about the generation so this week we're talking about the generation gap and i met an incredible girl ob may i add Sandra J. Burke, we met when I was luckily um, picking up my Inspirational Women Award and I thought, this girl is amazing, she's a breath of fresh air and she's had such a successful career, really, really impressive stuff, a long and successful career in both the public and private sector in Scotland, working in leadership roles, um, with the Scottish Enterprise, Senior Operational Civil, Civil Servant. She was the first woman in almost 200 years to become a Chief Exec of the Chamber of Commerce in good old Dundee. And she was awarded an OB in the Queen's Birthday Honours List. What a girl! She was also appointed a Fellow of the Royal Society of Arts in 2018. But what we're really here to talk about is Sandra's latest project, mind the generation gap because now there's five generations working together some living together so how can we get on you know i'm the kind of person that has friends that are 18 would happily go out you know with i don't think of people in an age you know i just 
I see an energy, I see a good soul, and I just love people. It doesn't really matter what age you are. And I feel like to some people, I'm ancient, I'm 36. I'll be in the old category and X Factor, but I don't care. I still feel young, Um, maybe wiser in some ways. But what I love about Sandra is on a personal level, it was unlikely in her head um, for her to achieve such success because she had a fairly brutal start in life. Um, She was living in abject poverty. Her poor mum was in and out of mental health institutions. I I, I get that, I understand that. Um, And also she had an alcoholic, violent and abusive dad who eventually passed of dementia. So it was hard on Sandra and her sister, but wow, look at what she's gone on to achieve. What an inspirational lady and she's just so lovely. So let me get her on. Loads of love, guys. Please keep rating us. Give us loads of stars. Sandra deserves she billions. She's amazing. Dex, you behaving? Yeah, you are. Thank you so much for being here from Dundee. What's this slogan for Dundee? It's not the honest tune. It's the... uh, well, it was Dundee City of Discovery, uh-huh. and now it's Dundee One City Many Discoveries. Ah, and we're going to be discovering a lot today. Um, I really so we met at the awards night. Um, Association Association of Scottish Businesswomen, and congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. I mean, that was fabulous to to get your award. And I was there with my friend Irene, who was also collecting an award. It was some night. It was a great night. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really lovely, and we were just chat, 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 chat. Please come on the podcast because I love what you're doing. I'm really interested. Um, Do you remember what I said? What's a podcast? Ah, that's right. Yeah, my, showing my lack of technical ability there. The generation gap. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and your launch was a sellout. Yes, I had uh, my launch of MindTheGenerationGap.com, I think, the week later. And the night I met you, I was quite nervous about how it was going to go. But we launched it as part of um, Dundee Women's Festival, and uh, it was a sellout, as you say, much to my surprise, and oh, what a grand night went. Got over all my nerves, you know. Once I got that first sentence out, I was fine. Amazing. What was the first sentence? Uh, I think it was, hello, I'm Sandra, and a little bit about myself. And uh, there were a lot of um, uh, former colleagues and people I know from in and around the city of Dundee and Angus, where I live. Um, so there were a lot of friendly faces in the audience, and, you know, that's such a big help. So and, nice. of course, a lot of new people as well that I hadn't met before. Um, my mother-in-law was in the front row, and she cracked a wee joke, got the best laugh of the night, and that was us, we were ready to go. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's so nice when someone cracks a wee joke. My father-in-law cracked a joke at my book launch, and I was like, right, good. <laughs> you know, it's that... good, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's just reminding yourself, everyone's got your back when you're up, and, you know, people want you to do well, but it's, you know, it's the number one fear in the world, is... Public speaking, Public speaking, putting yeah. yourself out there when it's mm-hmm. something you're passionate about, and you're clearly really passionate about this. I'm getting there, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what was the inspiration? What was that light bulb moment when you thought, right, I'm just going to go for it? Well, that actually started um, a few years ago. I was at uh, something called the Dundee Economic Forum. Dundee's a really dynamic city. You've probably heard we've got this marvelous building, the V&A Dundee now, and um, lots of exciting things happening in the city. And one of of the things that started a few years ago was um, the annual Dundee Economic Forum um, and I was there and there was a speaker there called um, Dr Paul Redmond from an English university 
and his job that day was to talk about the changing face of, of the working population mm-hmm. and he was basically uh, using humour to sort of explain how um, it's very different if you have a, a baby boomer, somebody, you know, aged between sort of late 50s and uh, late 60s, sitting alongside somebody who's 25 or 21 because their experiences in life have been different. And he used quite a lot of humour and I, I remember thinking, gosh, you know, that that is so true. Yeah. So it was a combination of that was always in the back of my mind. When I've got time, I was still working full time at that time. In fact, I was chief executive of the Chamber of Commerce, so my, I had my hands full. Um, but uh, I remember thinking, when, when I have time, I'm going to sit down and research more about this. So fast forward a few years and combining that with um, the fact that we've lived in a three generation household for 20 years, mm. plus the whole thing about how different generations are influenced originates in marketing theory and my background and my qualifications are in marketing. Mm-hmm. It just kind of wrapped up to sort of generate quite a bit of interest for me. Perfect. Yeah. And here you are. Here I am. Here I am enjoying it, finding out more about it, talking about it um, and uh, just raising awareness, I think. Yeah, I think it's so important yeah. because relationships are everything from a mental health point of view. Absolutely. Relationships are, they can put such a strain, you know, and it's that suffering we have if we're we're not communicating in the workplace Mm -hmm. or at home or we have these issues. So I think to be able to break down those barriers and try and make things clearer for people and Mm -hmm. to understand where people are coming from is is amazing. Well, I think anything that helps with that is is, um, a good idea. And the thing that really got to me was when I started looking into this was that this is the first time in human history that we've had five generations of people um, living and working alongside each other. And it's really simple when you think about it. It's because we're living longer mm-hmm. and we're working longer. So, you know, even 50, 60 years ago, people might have worked from 20 till 50 or, mm-hmm. you know, 20 till 60 um, if they were lucky enough to live that long. But it's only 120 years ago, 1900. Mm-hmm. The length of lifespan, the average in the UK, was 50. You know, and now people are living well into their 80s. We've got a lot more people living to be over 100. In fact, last week I was reading about a chap in England who is um, 111. And I thought, you know, if you knew right now that you were going to live to be 111, Uh would you live your life differently? Would you? What do you think? Yeah, I think I'd pack more in, wouldn't you? I'd slow some things down to kind of enjoy smelling the roses and Mm -hmm. spend more time with kids and friends and family because I knew I had that time. But I think I'd also, you know, realise that you could actually work 30, 40 years in one career and actually stop that and do a whole other one, which is astonishing, isn't it? But it's just this whole idea that for the first time, we have got people aged from 16 to 75 in the workplace. And that's just kind of changing the dynamic. Yeah. And um, so what, you know, I founded MindTheGenerationGap.com essentially to um, do activities and to increase awareness around binding the generations together. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what it's about, okay. raising awareness, um, breaking down some barriers and helping people to live more in harmony. Yeah, so let's talk about some of these barriers then. Yeah. What Do you want to talk me through perhaps a couple of barriers that you've discovered and, and what we can do about them? Like some... 
Yeah, well, I think one of the um, biggest issues for older people is loneliness. Although I think lots of people would argue that actually loneliness is something that happens at every stage of our lives. Yeah. I remember being very lonely in my mid-twenties. Yeah. Um, but um, loneliness for older people uh, is uh, becoming a big issue. And we now have more single-person households mm-hmm. in the Western world than we've ever had. So we have people who may have done very well in life and have a lovely home, but they're sitting inside it a lot of the time feeling quite lonely. Mm -hmm. So um, for older people and people uh, of all ages who live alone, I think there's something about um, getting out and about and maybe not just restricting your social circle to people of your own age. Yeah. Um, One of the other things I do is I'm a volunteer with Contact the Elderly. Have you ever heard of that one? They do afternoon teas on a monthly basis. Oh, that's so nice. Well, it's fantastic. And I think there are something like 20 groups in Edinburgh. Wow. But we started up a group in my own area, in my wee village of Teeling. And uh, what it basically does is such a simple idea, but so good. Once a month, um, uh, people over the age of 75 who live alone are picked up in, the, in, in a volunteer's car, taken to somebody who lives in the area's home for afternoon tea. I love that. And basically the volunteers and the people who live alone sit round the table, have a cup of tea and a blether. And for many of these people, it might be the only time in that month that they sit round a table with other people or that they actually see um, and make new friends and see people because their own families might be living across the world and might not have a family. And our group's been on the go now for a year and a half. And one uh, lady, Evelyn, who's just a fabulous lady in her 80s, lives in the village, and she said to me uh, one of the afternoon teas recently that it had actually changed her life. Wow. And, you know, I, I, that hadn't occurred to me. I thought it would be nice to go out monthly mm-hmm. for afternoon tea. But she said she looks forward to it so much. And there's a, there's a bit of this through the keyhole thing going on as well because you get to see inside folks' houses yeah. and, um, you know, have a cup of tea in their house. And so it, it's, it's actually really nice. Oh. I love it. And there's lots of these groups around Scotland and the UK now. That's amazing. So just to me, you know, that things like that are amazing. And some of the volunteers bring their children along and mm-hmm. often you'll get a little bit of entertainment. The kids will sing or um, somebody will bring in a musical instrument. We've got um, uh, one of our uh, local volunteers, her husband David, is smashing on the piano and the keyboard, so we'll have a sing-song. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, no. I was like, if I music, did one, there would music. be music. Did I tell you we end this podcast with music? Uh, no, I didn't realise that Wait, until I listened to some other ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, So you'll know. Don't worry, I don't make people sing if they really don't want to, because some people have been severely anxious. But I have had people say they, um, they would never sing, and then they felt like so lighter and mojo-esque that they were like, let's do it. Well, the <laughs> mojo is so good for you. And it's good to talk and, and offload and uh, I just I just love that. I love every single discussion I've got to have. So for different generations then, so there's this obviously for older people, the loneliness. And what about loneliness in different, because you were saying you felt lonely in your 20s. Was there a particular reason for that? Yes, there was. What had happened was I had married um, very young at 18 and uh, didn't really put much thought into it. Married a, a lovely uh, lad and we parted on Uh, good terms uh, seven years later but when we did um, split up in my mid-twenties 
all of my friends were married and had their own lives and none of my friends were out socialising because mm. they had young children or whatever. So for a period of about a year, I uh, you know, had my own flat. Uh, on the face of it, everything looked hunky-dory, good job. I had youth on my side. Mm. Um, I, had, I had an amicable divorce. And yet, you know, on Friday at five o'clock, I was going home and, and um, with exception of seeing family uh, and my mum, who was often in uh, ill health or in hospital, um, you know, I could actually conceivably not have seen anybody all weekend. Yeah. Um, and I remember after one particularly bad weekend going into work on the Monday morning and I wasn't myself, you know, my mojo had gone over the weekend. Mm. I'm quite a bubbly person, but it, it had got to me. Yeah. And I remember one of the girls in the office said, my goodness, Sandra, what's wrong with you? You're not like yourself this morning. And I said, you know, I haven't seen anybody all weekend. Mm. And she said, why not? Why haven't you been out? Bear in mind, I'm 25. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, there was nobody to go out with. And, and she said, oh, to heck with that. You're coming out with us next weekend. Mm-hmm. So we started going clubbing and, you know, the, this group of about five or six young girls sort of took me under their wing. We ended up going on my first girly holiday abroad. I was out with them a couple of Fridays ago. Oh, We're still so nice. they're my kind of clubbing mates from the 80s. And we still uh, get together a few times a year and see each other. But it was the way they reached out to me because yeah. they'd been pals since they were in infant school. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be difficult. It was mm. so nice of them to involve me. But, um, you know, I don't have the shared history yeah. with them. But, you know, it never made any difference. They, were, they just brought me right into the fold and we're still great pals. But you see, you can be lonely at any age, yeah. you know. So um, that makes me concerned about, you know, people who don't have the time of day with somebody every day who don't have somebody coming in for a cup of tea, you know. So if I lived on my own now, and I don't, luckily, but if I did, I'd be out every day, you know, meeting people, talking to people, being active, joining groups if I could. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? So loneliness can get us any time. I also Mm -hmm. liked what you said about, you know, different ages. It's nice to to be friends with people of different ages. Because I always like to think of people as... I'm rubbish at guessing ages for one. I'm <laughs> useless, but I always like to think of people. It's getting as... harder, I think. <laughs> yeah. You kind of know somebody's over or under 40, but other than that, it's quite no, difficult. I'm just useless, <laughs> but I, I'm the sort of person that would go out with any age and mm-hmm. just hang out. But then yeah. there's almost a bit of stigma with that. Oh, why, why would you chat to a 20 year old? Why would you hang out with a 65 year old? Do you think there's still a stigma around that? Sometimes. Sometimes. See, I think that's a generational thing. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. because, um, you know, when I was younger, uh, a teenager, it was very unusual for teenagers and people in their 20s to hang out with anybody older. Uh-huh. But um, I don't think it's like that at all now. I mean, my friends. Genuinely, age and, and uh, age range from you know late teens right through to well, I mentioned Evelyn. Evelyn's in her early eighties, uh-huh. and um, you know some some of my closest friends are in their thirties, mm-hmm. and um, you know and, and and I'm old enough to be their mum, yeah. but it just melts away when you're having a good time together. And what I think is at the heart of that is that in the workplace. Um, you meet people of all different ages. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's been such a gift because um, I've been working since I was 17. So, uh, you know, that's over 40 years for me now. And um, 
I've led and been part of probably hundreds of teams and in every team there's a mixed stage group. Mm-hmm. So so the differences just melt away. So my answer to, you know, some of the tension that is perceived between the generations is talk to people out with your own age group, you know, get engaged uh-huh. with younger people, with older people, and then just watch those age barriers melt away. Ah, right. Yeah. So you think it's having the time to be open-minded, to get yeah. to know people and yeah. not just write them off from the start? Well, I hope people aren't doing that, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm quite... I'd like to think there isn't a stigma. I mean, my sons are... Uh, uh, my youngest is in his early 20s. Stephen, my older son, is 31 now. And they both have friends from all age groups. That's amazing So, um, you know, and, and can happily sit down with uh, and blend into any kind of group. Like if they walk in when I'm hosting an afternoon tea, mm-hmm. they'll sit down and have a blether and get involved. That's nice. You know? I like so, that. I think maybe teenagers. It's, yeah, it's a bit of an awkward... Like little kids don't make a difference. They don't make a difference yeah, at exactly. all. Yeah, exactly. My Some kids of, love hanging out yeah, with older people. Yeah. There's, an, there's loads of amazing projects going on in Scotland to break down age barriers, particularly taking young children into care homes yeah. and trying to help older people find their, you know, what it was like to play with toys and sit, you know, people who maybe don't get a visit from a grandchild. Some amazing projects going on. And um, I read something by, I think it was the Care Inspectorate recently, and they had um, documented some research that had been done and they'd asked little kids aged sort of up to about eight before they went into the care homes to play with older people, um, what they thought they did all day. And they said things like nothing, they, or they sit in a chair, or they just wait to die. <sighs> and then they asked them again after they'd been going into the care home with their parents mm-hmm. and, you know, doing activities and having juice and biscuits and just playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, you know, they decided that actually all the age thing just melted away, you know. Yeah. Oh, they're great. They know lots of things. They yeah. tell you great stories. They played, they told me all about the toys they played with when they were younger. Um, and my best friend Bessie in the care home loves my dolly just as much as I do. So, you know, it's getting together, isn't it, that breaks down the barriers. It's so nice. And I don't think, I was speaking with Hubs about this, we don't feel like we play the guess age game. I wonder how old they are, are they? Because <laughs> uh, you watch something like X Factor and yeah. you're like, we would be in the over, we'd be in the old category. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, I would be in the, the much older, I think. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because you're looking and you're going, but... We're not old, you know, and I think no matter what age you get to, you don't feel old. Do you know? Well, do you know, I, that is so true. Um, I was just thinking that this morning, you know. Um, I don't think your mind ages unless yeah. you choose to let it. Yeah, you know, some, do you know how you meet some people who seem older before their time? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, almost just waiting to be older. And then you meet people who just have such zest for life mm-hmm. that the child within them is still obvious, they're still playful, still excited by new things. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, uh, I turned uh, 60 last year. It was a year before my being been. And, um, and I remember thinking, I never expected to be this full of life and this energetic and this excited about new things. Mm-hmm. And why should I feel any difference? So yeah. that was just Amazing. conditioning. And I would, I'd like everybody to understand, it's one of the objectives of Mind the Generation, is to actually understand that regardless of how the shell of your body changes, yeah. nothing changes 
inside. You know, you I still feel you're, you're still looking out at the same world with the same eyes. The world might look at you and see you differently, uh-huh. and you can either conform to that perception or you can reject it. And I say reject it and be yourself, whatever age you are. I love that. Mm-hmm. And we were speaking earlier about being yourself and how you you can only change to an extent so we can grow yeah. and we can perhaps, I mean, habits are very hard to break. Oh, don't I know it? <laughs> oh, don't I know it? I think I've sussed it and then I'm like, oh. <laughs> but so we can, because I'm really big into self-development and I, know, I feel like I know, it's, it's, really interesting. it's amazing. Yeah. And I feel like I've grown a lot from that and I see other people yeah. going, but fundamentally we're still the same person what's your thoughts on how we be true to ourselves well like you I've always been into self-development I remember when I was in my 20s reading you know the seven habits of highly effective people by Covey and all this that and the next thing um, and trying to pick out the best of it and etc but I think fundamentally your values your culture the things you embrace the things that you believe in probably don't change that much but what you can change is your behavior Mm -hmm. you can change your attitude you can have your mind opened um so I suppose the essence of who you are I kind of feel doesn't change and it's wonderful embrace that and embrace it throughout the whole of your life and live every day to the best of your ability but when you hit things where you know well actually I don't know a lot about that Mm -hmm. or maybe I didn't handle that that well Mm -hmm. well could I have done that differently or why am I letting that stress me out then of course you go you open your mind and you learn more about it and you get more in the toolkit Mm -hmm. and I think you can grow the toolkit and get a really big tool bag of all the things you can use to keep yourself open-minded throughout the whole of your life but do you fundamentally change who you are I'm not so sure. I think I, I think you kind of keep the essence of who you are. So who are you? Do you know who you are? How would you describe the true essence of you? It, it, yeah, I think I, I think I do know who I am. I think uh, I think I'm, you know, just um, a warm, friendly, outgoing character. I'm defined by the way I live, the fact that I'm a mum. You know, um, I'm a, a daughter, daughter-in-law. I've got I'm a wife. Um, I've uh, worked in lots of different jobs. I've had some amazing jobs in my career, worked with amazing teams. So, you know, I'm I'm just someone who uh, is making the most of my life, enjoying my life. But I'd like to think that essentially what I am, and I hope people who know me would agree, is that I'm kind and open-minded, oh, warm man. and friendly. I would agree. You know, and if that, <laughs> if that, if I can, at the end of my life, look back and think, well, for most of my life, because, you know, we can't all be... Um, as perfect as we'd like to be. I'm not a big fan of the perfect word, but we can't all be as happy and cheery as we'd like to be all of the time because life throws brickbats at us, doesn't it? It does. Um, But if we can look back on it and think, wow, that was some ride, really enjoyed it, you know, really enjoyed life. And and, um, I think the other thing I embrace personally is gratefulness. Yeah. Um, I think uh, two qualities that I admire hugely is, is gratefulness, being thankful for what you've got and also curiosity. Yeah. Learn new things all the time. Yeah. 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 I uh I'm so inquisitive. Someone had put on my book reviews on Amazon. I love how inquisitive this person is. But sometimes fantastic. I, I think it is at least yeah. for a happy, you know, if you yeah. can if you can be open minded and curious, it's great. But then for me I've been practicing mindfulness 
um, to try and slow some of that down too because I'm thinking and I'm always trying to work out things. It's great, yeah. but you need to have that. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about the word new age because some people would describe things like mindfulness and things we're trying to get yeah. into school now and, and the workplace to help us calm down a bit as new age kind of woo-woo stuff, even though there is scientific research. I mean, what's your thoughts on people that would say, oh, it's new age? Is that an older generational thing or is that a term that's healthy? Well, um, I don't really mind what things are called as long as they work for you, you know. So um, it's interesting when people use the terminology new age because, you know, I lived through the, the as a teenager in the 70s and 80s and um, in the 70s, uh, when you look at what the influences were then, we just followed the swinging 60s. And then we had the sexual revolution in the 70s. And then we had hippies in the 70s. And gosh, new age was talked about then. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. new age and free love and, uh-huh. and all those kind of things. So I think what happens is every generation uses new terminology. Right. And as, you know, young people come through, they think they're discovering concepts and ideas for the first time I think a lot of concepts and ideas just go round and round and round with different labels you know rebranded but I do think um, that what's wonderful about the 21st century is that we're all encouraged men and women and people of all ages to be more in touch with their feelings Mm -hmm. um, less inclined to pretend everything's rosy when it's not Mm because that is so unhealthy Stiff upper lip. Oh, yeah. And, like I mean, that. the Scots aren't really known for their stiff upper lip. <laughs> um, you know, if you're Scottish, you know, you you tend to get it all out, I think. Uh, but I think for men sometimes, even young men, it's, uh, it has traditionally been harder to express their feelings. Mm-hmm. So whatever you call it, whether you call it mindfulness, hypnotherapy, relaxation techniques, um, self-development, open your mind to that because... It can help you enormously. Massively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, I'm in favour of anything that makes us feel better. And I was really interested in um, what your last um, interview, Erica, was it, that you were interviewing uh, last week? And she was talking about um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, Uh I think it is. And I've, you know, um, had some exposure to that. And, you know, it is a form of, of, of looking at how you're thinking about things and taking taking control of what's going on in your mind. You know, yeah. that monkey brain that they talk about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. keeps you awake at night, uh-huh. yeah. worrying and thinking about things. If you can find whatever way you can find mm-hmm. to quieten that down, mm-hmm. I think is a is a good thing. Yeah, and just to challenge the way we speak to ourselves. So, <sighs> I know. you know, that inner critic, when you'd never dare talk to anyone, sometimes these thoughts come in and you Things go... Things we say to ourselves. Yeah, but you can't yeah. always stop the thoughts, but you can control how you react to them. So since I've been doing all this it's kind of it's saying right you've got this like you so when the the critic comes into play or you know who do you think you are all this stuff whatever you go actually you know you're doing a really good job keep Mm -hmm. up it you're passionate you're just telling yourself all of course you should tell yourself Um, these things and just go and stop being so hard and it's my dad my dad the absolute legend who inspired everything I do when he got sick and I said what should be so advice now that you're feeling better and you're not suicidal and you're in a better place and he said don't be so hard on yourself mm-hmm. such simple advice but such powerful mm-hmm. advice so every day even if you can have a mantra when you wake up don't be so hard on yourself you know no matter what your age mm-hmm. what your interests your stress levels just 
Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. And if you can take that mantra, I kind of want to get tattooed. Maybe that's a generational thing. <laughs> Maybe got, you should. <laughs> I got all these tattoos and my mum was like... You don't have a tattoo. Do you well, I don't have any tattoos at all. And that's quite unusual nowadays, isn't it? It is, yeah. but I think... I like that. That's nice. Yeah, so it's quite orange. Lovely colours. I love the turquoise colour. Violet's for yeah. my mum, but yeah. she was like, oh, why do people do that these days? But they did it then too, didn't they? I know. They? My son got a tattoo and I have to say I was quite disappointed. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I kind of thought, oh no, that's there forever. It's yeah. a lovely tattoo. It's a Celtic circle. Um, but uh, yeah, I either like them or you, oh, you don't. don't. I love to see them on people. Yeah. But I just, uh, I don't think I would... We'd have one done. Do you know, everybody's different, aren't they? Yeah. Do you know why? I, I, it's a funny thing because I see it's part of this fascination with people. I see a kind of I hate to stereotype, but I'm going to do it anyway. So Scott is very likes things in order, likes to control things, likes things tidy. He wouldn't get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. I am quite spontaneous, less routine, quite free spirit. Yeah. So uh, a bit more creative in ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would totally get one. So I, I do see that pattern when I speak to people. Yeah. And there's a lot of couples I know and one has the tattoo and the oh, other doesn't. I must be somewhere in the middle because what I've done is on holiday and things, I've had henna tattoos done. Oh, right. And you know, the, the temporary ones. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I've had my hair braided. You know, when I've been on holiday and you go away and you try something new. Yeah. Um, and that's great fun. Yeah. Um, but for me, a tattoo, it's the permanency yeah. of it. You know, yeah. And will it suit me when I'm 95? You know? I get that kind a lot. My comeback is, I'm going to be a rock star granny. So you are. You're yeah. going to be a rock star granny. Just, and for the yeah. coolest stories, yeah. not that you need a tattoo to tell yeah. stories. Um, but I think it's a personal thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I was interested in what you were saying um, about your dad there, because um, I think that it is important to sort of quieten those voices and make the most of whatever uh, it is you're doing. But last year, or maybe it was the year before, I did some training with um, uh, uh, one of the UK's, one of the UK's best-known hypnotherapists, Marissa Peer, mm-hmm. and her mantra is, I am enough. Mm-hmm. And I really like that as well, because um, at the root of a lot of people's problems, I think, is the fact that they feel inadequate in some sense. Yeah, Do you comparisons know? So, or... Yeah. She really actually, she says, you know, when you get up in the morning, if you wear makeup and you've got a lipstick handy, right on the mirror, I am enough. Yeah. And, you know, and, and keep saying that to yourself. Uh, because there are, there are too many people out there who will tell you that you're not. Yeah. You know, so don't, don't let them in type yes, of thing. Yes, yes. Or that. make your way through life in spite of what they're saying. Yes, you know? the critics. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> one of the hardest challenges, isn't it? It is. It really is. And... You know, the, the thing I've learned um, after, you know, a, a long career working and working with people of different ages and lots of different teams is, that, you know, those things that you worry about, you know, uh, I've lost count of how many Sunday nights because I'm very conscientious and always want things to go well at work. And, you know, that I lost count of how many Sunday nights I thought, how will that event go or how will this project go or how will that meeting go? And almost 95% of it never comes to fruition. Yeah. So you're spending so much of your life potentially worrying about things that never happen. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, yeah, So one it? of the delights of, of getting a bit older and having more time uh, to think about these things is that I just think, oh, go with the flow, Let you know, go. relax. So if we're all going to live to be 111, which would be lovely, but we know, you know, we're not all going to live to be 111. But if we knew that we were, or we lived, like we were you know um 
why would you worry? One of the things I'd say is try to stop worrying. Yeah, worry Because actually there's so much that we can't influence anyway. Yeah. You know? It's that fear, you know, and we need a little bit of it to keep us alive, but sometimes it can really take over. And it can be, you know, the way things have changed with technology. I mean, <gasps> and there's a lot of chat, oh, mm-hmm. it's too much, and... I kind of agree, though, even though I, you know, people say on my day it wasn't like this, but I guess it wasn't in mine either. But, you know, what's your thoughts on how fast-paced things are? Well, it's really interesting because, you know, of the five generations that we've got living and working alongside each other, there's the silent generation, which is basically people over 73. Mm -hmm. And they're called the silent generation because traditionally older people have been less likely to complain. Then oh, you really? have yeah 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 and actually I think that's fading now I think that as baby boomers uh, which is the next stage group they're aged sort of fifty eight seventy three mm-hmm. um, as baby boomers come through and remember that these were the children of the sixties and the sexual revolution and so on and so on boy are they reinventing retirement you know and and you know I think I've got a better social life than both of my sons mm-hmm. so you know changing I, I there's no way. Even if I'm 90, I'm going to be part of the silent generation. And I, I meet a lot of people in my age group that are like that. And then you've got Generation X, which is sort of 38 to 53. Okay. And these are your first generation of um, latchkey kids because their parents were the first that went out to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, very entrepreneurial, you know, quite... Um, embracing technology. These are the, the first generation of people that were introduced to you know, what used to be called the internet, the World Wide Web and all that stuff that was all just coming out as they were going into the workplace. And then you've got the millennials. That's me. Yeah. Um, now they... Are you a millennial? I'm yeah. 36. Well, do you know millennials form about 30% of the world's population now, which mm. is really exciting. But... Um, so then you've got the millennials. Now, the millennials, and um, which are also known as um, Generation Y, and then the post-millennials, who are 21 and under, they're just coming into the workplace now. Their experience of technology, and um, I mean, they're effectively digital natives, digital mm-hmm. pioneers, because they're being, they've been brought up in a world of computers and technology. You know, I remember it getting a phone call from my husband at work saying, have you ever heard about a fax machine? It's amazing. You can send pictures through the phone. <laughs> and, you know, me and my colleagues all ran down to the bowels of the building. It was Argyle House in Edinburgh. And he said, I'm going to send you something through the phone. And we all stood. <laughs> See, when I think about it now, we all stood around this little phone and out came a picture from the phone. Wow. Now, fax technology actually only lasted eight to ten years yeah. of that and then it was overtaken yeah. by emails and attachments and all that kind of stuff but uh, my kids and um, both of them uh, have been brought up with technology and and their awareness and understanding of how it all works yeah. um, and also having your phone literally attached to you yeah. so I think what happens is some older people think that's not a good thing to have your phone attached all the time but that's not how younger people see it okay. you know um, I would say people maybe even under the age of 30 to them it's it's part of the way they live. Mm-hmm. It's it's another, you know, if you've got two hands, it's your third hand. Yeah. It's your access to your friends. It's access to the world. It's the way you research. I used to go to the library and read encyclopedias. Yeah. Who does that nowadays, yeah. you know? So technology has changed everything. And I think, um, I mean, I remember 
just 10, 15 years ago, um, sitting in the office and having and watching somebody in my team do messages on their phone. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting thinking, I'm not that sure they should be spending their time in the office doing that. Yeah. So back then it was seen very much as like taking a personal phone call. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. you remember you weren't allowed to take a personal phone call. But now you wouldn't have dreamed of saying to somebody put your phone away because they're probably using it to work. Yeah, I know. You know. That's the thing. And I, yeah. I even get frustrated at home if I've been doing stuff with the kids or whatever and Scott will come back and I'll be like, right, I've got these emails I need to reply to. And you'll be like, get off your phone. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it does become your, you know, there's a lot of people that work from their phone and it's, yeah. we need to cut each other some slack, but then perhaps have guidelines in place to say... I think so, because, um, you know, the I think um, I, I read the results of a survey recently that was done in the UK, and um, teenagers were admitting to spending, I think it was it was an unbelievable figure. I mean, it was 9 to 11 hours a day, Yeah, you know, looking at uh, checking out their social media channels, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And there's a lot that's positive about that. It's not all negative, mm-hmm. but you do wonder if... If it's at the cost of face-to-face communication, if yeah. it's at the cost of a cup of tea with, you know, a drink with your pals or a cup of tea with your mum or your gran, um, and you find yourself doing less of that, then I th- I do think it's part of the human condition to have contact with other people. Yeah, we need you to know? have that. And so if it's, it's kind of precious and, and you yeah. don't... Social skills are important as well. And they're really they important in work. You know, I, yeah. I can, although in every workplace that I've been in, and increasingly as I've gone through my career, technology and computers have been more and more important. I don't think email is any substitute for talking to somebody face to face. And if you haven't got the skills to do that, then I think you're at a disadvantage in the workplace. And employers are now saying that one of the concerns that they have about um, the next generation coming through, um, Generation Z, who are, as I say, the 21-year-olds and under just coming in, is that many of them have great face-to-face and people communication skills, but some don't. And it might be, part of it might be, because they've spent so much time just communicating through devices. Yeah. So um, So I think we need, yeah. I think they will be looking at that in the future for, for our kids and the education system to force them there's got yeah. to be something coming to play. And yeah. as parents, I feel a responsibility to make sure the kids aren't just sitting mm-hmm. in their room all the time. Yeah. You know? I think getting outdoors is so important, and it always will be. I think it will always always be part of the human, the human condition to get out, hear the birds, fresh air, oh. get down to the coast, hear the, hear the waves, go for a walk with mum and dad, read a book now and again rather than just look at a screen mm-hmm. but parents have a, a lot of um, pressures as well yeah. um, but responsibility for making sure that at some point you just put all the devices down mm-hmm. and if you've got the nerve leave them behind in the house yeah. which you know if you've ever gone out and forgotten your phone oh no and, you, and, you, and you do actually feel a wee bit breath yeah <laughs> oh what are we gonna do yeah but i switch my phone off every time i you know i go into a meeting I either switch it off or put it on silent she says hoping that she's done that just now but i'm sure i have um you know and just get used to not letting it dictate your life use it as a tool a positive tool yeah. to stay in touch with the world but I wouldn't wouldn't want to let it run my life. I, I don't have any grandchildren yet. I'm really, really looking forward to oh. that. Hope I will get grandchildren one day, but I don't have any yet. 
And um, I'm hoping that, um, you know, what, what I'll be doing as a grandparent would be spending time with them and getting outdoors and feeding the ducks and, Aww. you know, take my wee dog. I've got a puppy, actually, just my wee dougal. So, <laughs> you know, spending time playing with precious the dog time, in the garden. Yeah. So precious. Best things in life, really. Yeah. It sounds corny, but it's true. It really is. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the kids with the grandparents and just yeah. seeing the relationship. Um, yeah. It's just lovely. Well, my children were brought up with their granny in the house. Yeah. So um, they have a fabulous relationship with their granny. It's so nice and we can learn so much, so much. So you um, have lived with your mother-in-law for how long? Yeah, she's, well, yeah, it's uh, 20 years now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Brave. um, Well, actually, it's been brilliant. And um, what Ruby and I did, um, Ruby's my mother-in-law and she's, uh, she will be, hope she won't mind me saying but she'll be 86 in May Um, but uh, she has just been phenomenal in my life um, in that when she retired early she offered to help with childcare and so she's been in and around uh, with our boys since the day that they were born and uh, essentially helped Tom and I to to bring them up and um, when my father-in-law died uh, also Tom uh, he died uh, 22 years ago, right out the blue. He got lung cancer and mm-hmm. died within five months. So it all happened very quickly. And of course, we were all devastated. But Ruby and Tom were happily married and Ruby was heartbroken. It still is. I mean, you don't you don't lose that, but you know, you, you have to get on with your life. But anyway, um, after that, uh, my husband was an only child and it, it was quite difficult to, to help Ruby with her house and... Mm-hmm. You know, we had two young kids and but both had demanding high-powered jobs. Um, so the sensible thing seemed to be to um, combine our household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that and we built an extension onto our house. And Granny lived in a caravan in the garden. She, she wouldn't come in. We had, a, we had a room for her. But she said, no, 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 you need your privacy. So um, she sold her house and came in and lived in that lovely big residential caravan for about a year the kids loved it I couldn't get them to come in the house at night it was what a way to grannies to sit in the caravan with granny and the dogs um so it took about a year to to build the extension and she's lived with us um ever since and uh, living in a three generational a three generation household has worked really well for us yeah because in the early days it was about Ruby helping us with the kids uh-huh and having the company of the children when she was still grieving over the loss of Tom, which was a massive change in her life. Uh, and my husband was grieving, we were all grieving. But, you know, when you've got a two-year-old, you've kind of got to get on with life. Yeah. And, of course, he would make her laugh in an otherwise tearful day. And mm. um, so she helped me bring the boys up. Now the boys are grown up. Um, we are helping look after Ruby because, our, you know, it helps deteriorate a bit. She's not as mobile as she used to be so now we're supporting her and uh, and it's fantastic and I told you she she made a joke when I launched my mind the generation gap she was sitting in the front row and I said one of the reasons I was so interested in this is that I believe in intergenerational living and that there's a way to to work through that and if there was more of that I think there'd be, be less problems with isolation and you know, unsatisfactory care homes and things like that, if the government and, and society made it easier for people to live in three and four generation mm-hmm. households. So I'm twittering on about that. Brilliant. And I said, oh, and by the way, you know, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, Tom's mum is sitting in the front row of the audience and she piped up 
for everybody. And I've told her if she ever leaves him, I'm going with her. <laughs> that is amazing. So she got this great laugh and I said, actually, she tells me that all the time. That's true. But I don't have any plans to leave him. But she has made me promise if I do, she comes with that me. Because we're such good pals. So this is like the dream because people yeah. write to me about the mother-in-law. And it's, I know, I know. A, I've had two mother-in-laws. So, right. yeah. so it's 50-50. You yeah. can either have... a tricky relationship or you can have a good one yeah yeah um, and I think like any relationships it, it takes um effort mm-hmm. uh, and when Ruby and I knew that we were going to be living two women two strong women mm-hmm. Ruby's a, a retired nursing sister mm-hmm. very strong capable woman and um we knew that when two strong capable women were going to be living in the same household there was going to be a potential for friction so what, how we handled that was we sat down right at the very beginning and said, OK, what are the ground rules? Let's agree some ground rules. And we got the family to sign up for that. So, for instance, even after 20 years, and we've got an adjoining door, you know, into Ruby's house, I knock before I go through. Now, I don't knock and wait, uh-huh. but, you know, I knock, I say, hi, can I come in? Yeah, and she does the same the other way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, just, it's just a tiny example of... Um, having respect for each other. Um, We have separate kitchens. For us, we just didn't think that, you know, we could share a kitchen. Um, So so Ruby has a lovely big kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, We sat down and designed the extension together. um, And uh, she got everything uh, that she wanted. Uh, So she's got this uh, completely uh, kind of tailored to her requirements. We bespoke... She calls it her granny flat, but actually her kitchen's bigger than mine, and that, that's the truth, because she's a baker. Um, but, so I think when you start off from that, you know, I told my boys when they were young, you might come in from school and feel really excited, you're dying to show granny something, but you knock on that door when you go through. Now, they did not always, because yeah. you know what parents are like, they, they get really excited. But even now, uh, my boys now share a flat in, in Dundee together, and... Um, but they're at the house every other day. I kind of get rid of them, to be honest. And uh, they're in and out the house like uh, yo-yos. But they always come in. Uh, Hi, Mum, I'm just away through to see Gran. And then, so nice. you know, we all get together. We all get together for meals as well on a Sunday. We've tried to keep up the tradition of a family Sunday dinner. So you've got to, you know, make an effort. But now I'm taking Ruby to hospital appointments. She's stopped driving recently. So, um, you know, you, you've got to help out with shopping and hospital appointments and all sorts of things but I wouldn't want people to think that it's you know that it's just been really really a breeze because you know you're having a fight with your husband and you're screaming at each other Tom and I don't fight a lot but when we do mm-hmm. you don't really want your mother-in-law <laughs> yeah. to be hearing it you know so there is a, a wee thing about privacy sometimes but actually I think if you think it through and you plan it properly, it's just been, it's been mutually beneficial. It's been fantastic for both of us. And I actually think it's keeping Ruby a bit healthier Mm -hmm. and uh, she certainly sees people every day, you know. Um, uh, We sat down, had a good blether and a cup of tea yesterday uh, and she'll be interested when I go home to see how you and I got on the day, you know. Aww. So so she's got all this going on in her life. It's amazing. Um, 
Now, I have said, I've hinted like anything to my son, so I hope I'm going to be able to live with you when I'm older than they just laugh their heads off as if to say, no chance, mother. But but it has been great for the family. I can't really think of any any drawbacks. If you have separate living space, yeah. your own front and back doors, which she does, yeah. um, and she can shut the door and not have anything to do with us if that's the way she wants it. Yeah, because we all do yeah. need, I put a post up earlier, you know that thing about the man cave, Yeah. but I'm not really one for gender stereotypes. Like, I like a cave too. Am yeah. I allowed a cave? <laughs> I think everybody needs a bit of space. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with housing uh, the way it is, it isn't always possible for people to have the house or live the way that they would like but if you can um having a bit of space of your own yeah. uh, when I was a wee girl I, I shared um there was no chance of a bedroom of your own you know I shared a bedroom with my sister till I got married yeah um but uh, my boys had their own bedrooms from when they were quite young yeah um so everybody in our house you know we're a family that likes to spend a lot of time together but if you need that space and you yeah there is a place to go uh-huh. you know Everybody's got their own their own room or whatever. Yeah, um, it's important. And Tom's got his shed in the garden and his garage, and <laughs> you know, um, so there's there's uh, plenty of space now that the boys are away. We've got their rooms, yeah, as well. So, uh, and they keep taking the huff and saying you can't really turn that into a sewing room or a man cave for dad because what if I come back and I say oh no no once you go you're not allowed to come back you're an adult now (laughs) I I honestly I think that's so nice you've actually painted a really nice picture to me I mean with the generation would you see there was just any key differences between you know your mother-in-law's generation where where we'd clash or do you think because you put the boundaries from the start it was fine for us, it's worked. It's worked really well. But there are, um, in fact, the media's got a lot to answer for about the tension between the generations. If you look up tension between, say, baby boomers and millennials, uh-huh. you will find that the likes of the Telegraph, the Times, have uh, the Guardian have periodically covered stories pitching these two generations against each other. And what they talk about is that baby boomers have had it easy. You know, if you've had a job and a fairly good education, as many baby boomers my age group um, have done, then the chances are you might own your own house, Mm -hmm. you might have bought that quite cheaply, Mm -hmm. you might have a final salary pension. Mm -hmm. And what millennials are encouraged to say, often by the media, to be honest, is, well, look at the baby boomers, they've never had it so good, I can't get on the property ladder. Mm -hmm. You know, so what you'll find is that periodically... One generation will say, well, you haven't worked hard enough or whatever the older people might say and younger people might say, it doesn't matter how hard to work, I'm never going to save £10,000 for the deposit for a house. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing is that millennials are much more inclined to rent than buy okay. um, and are m- slightly less concerned about job security than baby boomers were. Okay. Um, so these are all generalisations and they don't apply to everybody. Yeah. But what I say is, don't fall for that, you know. it's To me, it's a fallacy mm-hmm. that um, generations are pitched against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is a fact that some baby boomers probably never had it so good. And I think, I know when I, I was the first person, me and my sister were the first people in our family to buy our own homes. But um, we thought every generation would be better off. Yeah. And it's not like that now, is it? You yeah. know, we're actually in a situation where because of economic changes, the collapse of the banks, the 
um, just a general change in economic fortunes and also austerity. Um, I don't get heavily involved in politics, but depending on what your politics are, you know, there's definitely much harder now mm-hmm. for younger people yeah. to perhaps enjoy some of the benefits that um, older people have done. Yeah. But is that a reason to pitch the generations against each other? For goodness sake, no, yeah, no, we're not having it. Yes, we say <laughs> yeah. no. no so we say no to that, don't we? <laughs> what I'm getting from this is working together, having an open mind, yeah. because I meet people that are of the older generation that have got a really open mind. Oh, gosh, and of course you do. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then you'll get... But then you can get younger people like that. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, yeah, stereotypes are... Yeah. We need to break down the stereotypes. Communication. Yeah, yeah, that's the danger for me because by actually explaining the differences between the generations, you're almost stereotyping. Yes. On the other hand, we're saying let's not embrace stereotypes. Uh-huh. So for me, what, what this is about is in order to break down barriers, uh-huh. you need to understand the slight differences. Yes. And it is a fact that whatever, I mean, the, there's a lot of research to say this and prove it. That depending on what generation you are born into, there will be different influences in relation to what happened, what big major things happened in the world, mm-hmm. like the Second World War, mm-hmm. like um, the sexual revolution, like the swinging 60s, like 9-11. You know, yeah. if you were a teenager, mm-hmm. um, we were all affected by 9-11 mm-hmm. and, and we're all got a different attitude towards some of the fallout of that, um, you know, uh, is still affecting the world. So you're also affected by your education, you're affected by music. Music is a huge influencer, you know. So I, um, if I'm listening to music at the weekend, I always, I love new stuff as well, but I usually end up going back to what I see as the classics, you know. Bowie and and, um, a lot of the stuff from the 70s. But at the same time, my kids love that kind of music as well. Yeah, I know. So I think what's what's happening now, what we should be after is a bit of blending. Mm -hmm. Let's let's understand the differences. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's important that you understand the differences. Because, you know, if you're 25 and you're managing a team and there's somebody who's 65 in your team... Mm -hmm. You know, it helps to understand that their perceptions and where they're coming from is going to be a little bit different. But that's the only useful reason to know it, because otherwise it's just about working together regardless of your age. So, yeah, so it's quite interesting. So interesting. Now, we've we've got, we've hit time, but one more question. Yeah, it's it's absolutely flown in. Yeah. But um, one more question was about the the cooking and eating. I know you're going to be doing a blog. Have you done that blog Yeah, yet? yeah, it's uh, drafted and I'll be publishing that. What day is this? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll be publishing. Really interesting. Um, in a nutshell, one of the biggest differences in the last 80 years uh, in cooking and eating is that the eating out and ready meals, you know, yeah. um, if you look at someone who's in their 80s now, going to a restaurant, working class person, going to a restaurant when they were younger was like the biggest treat. Yeah. Having someone else cook for you might have been at a wedding reception. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you look at now, I look at um, teenagers and my lads, don't think anything of carrying out food and, yeah. and uh, just uh, might even do that three nights in a row if they're really busy and they've been working hard all day. So what I'll be talking about is... Um, is it only foodies that actually cook from scratch? Uh-huh. Are we all using more ready meals than we want to admit to? Uh-huh. What is a ready meal? You know, yeah. as, if it's one of these um, uh, healthy meals, mm-hmm. more expensive ready meals that you get, is it really as bad as 
something that costs a pound, you know, yeah. and all that stuff. So it's been very interesting uh, oh. looking into that. And um, what we're finding, I think, generally, is that what goes around comes around. So there are a lot of young people who quite like ready meals and, and carry outs, but love to cook. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of those kind of things that I'll be exploring in my blog this week. Oh, looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm a massive yeah. foodie and it's funny because my mum always cooked from scratch, but it was more about cost saving, you know, three kids. She grew up in rations yeah. with the war yeah, and My mum cooked everything from scratch. Yeah, and it was yeah. delicious. I bet you, you, bet you remember some favourite meals oh, from there Oh, I remember. Well. She did this chicken crumble thing. She made homemade quiches, homemade pizzas, this rice dish. Oh, I just, I loved it all. Yeah. Getting hungry just thinking about it. I know. And the soup. She's always got a pot of soup on the go. Always. Yeah, I love um, soup. Still love soup. Yeah, it's just the chopping though. I, I find because you we don't are, even have to do that now. Yeah, I mean, that is true. You can go into the supermarket that. and buy all your onions and yeah. and peppers spreadly chopped. So there's yeah. no excuse, Jojo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you need to get to it. Um, oh, it's been amazing. Um, I could talk to you all I can't day believe about we've this. run out of time. Time flight. <laughs> Was there anything else you really wanted to cover? I can't think. No, I think you've asked me lots of interesting questions. Yeah, yeah, and it's been amazing. I wanted to ask what song you would want to sing and why. Is there a song that makes you feel all Um, warm and fuzzy? I love all sorts of music, but but uh, music. But one of the ones that I really love, and I don't know if you'll have it, can might might go back a bit, but it's uh, James Taylor. You've got a friend. Do you know that one? You've got a friend. Yeah, absolutely love that one. Oh, it's not really a dancing one, but it's uh, yeah. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, yeah. listen, thank you so much and keep up the great work. Very inspirational. And yeah, you rock. <laughs> thank you. When you're down in trouble and you need a helping hand. Yes. And nothing, oh, nothing is going right. I'll stand with you. <laughs> Great. Close your eyes and think of me. And soon I will be there. To brighten up even the darkest night. You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running Oh yeah, baby To see you again Cheers! Winter, spring, summer or fall All you have to do So
Winter, spring, summer or fall All you got to do is call And I'll be there, yeah, yeah, yeah You got a friend Got a friend People can be so cold Yes, they can They'll hurt you and desert you They'll take your soul if you let them Oh yeah, don't, don't you let them Like that then Yes Call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running Yeah, yeah To see you again Spring, summer, or fall. All you got to do is call, and I'll be there. Yes, I will. You got a friend. Yes, <laughs> girl.